Hello, I'm Kate Chabot. Welcome to this special edition of SITREP. Part of the legacy of the UK's 20-year deployment to Afghanistan was the dramatic improvement in human and particularly women's rights. But when the last international forces left in 2021 and the Taliban seized control, those hard-won rights began to crumble. After the age of nine, girls are banned from schools, women from universities, and both women and girls can't go to parks or gyms, nor are they allowed to work for NGOs or most other kinds of employment. A UN delegation has just been in the country to challenge the authorities over the abuse of women's rights, and on her departure from the country, Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed wrote, I strongly believe that with determination and solidarity, in solidarity with Afghan women and girls, we can recover their rights to education and work. Shukriya Bereksai is a former member of the Afghan parliament who fled the country when the Taliban took over. And Lady Caroline Richards, who's married to a former chief of defence staff, set up the Afghan Appeal Fund in 2005 to build schools and educate Afghan children. Welcome to both of you. Shukriya Bereksai, the world you knew changed forever when Kabul fell to the Taliban. Can you describe the life you had before and how it simply ceased to be? Um, thank you. Um, it's it's unbelievable, to be honest, to see the decades of sacrifice, achievements, the golden years where women had. It's been just overnight change from a paradise to the hell. Uh, when I'm turning my face and see, it's it's unbelievable to believe and see women as a ministers, as an ambassador, as a members of parliament, and a millions of kids were in the school. But right now, there's a no single woman, and the formal structure as a decision maker with the de facto authority. It's sad to hear. Formally, zero women or girls are allowed to be educated. If you see the marginalized Afghanistan today, where the Afghanistan was the every country flag, friend countries, was been wrapped in the sky, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a dramatic change, which is it happened just overnight, where I feel we've been betrayed badly, not by foreigner, but also by our own leaders. It's remind me the sacrifice of those lives, men and women, with uniform, without uniform, Afghan, non-Afghan in Afghanistan, which is why they paid and what is our answer for them. It's the Afghanistan, which is I remember the, the US president would say they are there to win the hearts and minds of people. But what happened now? There's no heart, there's no mind. Even nobody would talk, like to talk about this. And Shukriya, as you say, things changed overnight. And for you personally, as somebody who was a person of influence, someone who criticised the Taliban and was in parliament, your life was immediately in danger and you had to get out. Yes, before they took over the power, I, my life was in danger because in 2014, they uh, they had a suicide on me. There was uh, uh, even three days before the uh, collapse of uh, Kabul, um, uh, I was been target uh, for them. Uh, but when they they took over power, I was just at the airport, and I couldn't believe everything was just happened in front of my eyes, where I was been on my normal trip for a normal uh, for a medical checkup. It was mm. sad to see. They, those whom they was been 
aiming uh, to be on the streets and they were just suddenly and rapidly jumped over across the city and they popped up you can't believe like uh it it was it was really difficult even even at the airport i was not safe lady richards your aim was to dramatically improve the futures of children when you set up the afghan appeal fund what motivated you and and how far did you get well I, we just felt we could do a little actually and um it it snowballed i think it was a great shock when your husband deploys and i wanted to know more about afghanistan and we soon realized there was enormous thirst for education and a, a great lack of schools and we would we would get people asking us please build a school in our village and working through different agencies in afghanistan we slowly built several schools around the country uh, ending up in helmand province which had always been an aim of mine So it was the deployment of your husband Lord Richards that really motivated you to get started and take a real interest but how easy was it to to do the work you did We we realized we weren't allowed to go to Afghanistan so we had to find trusted friends and different agencies already working people like Sandy Gall who was already working and and an expert in Afghanistan and we were helped by ISAF themselves who were very keen on what Shukriya mentioned building hearts and minds so we had advice of w- where we should build no i the, the difficult thing is um with running a small charity is fundraising and getting people to understand what you were trying to do when uh, back at home it was port- you know it was portrayed as a as a very dangerous place to work people didn't quite understand how important it was that we built schools and in trying to get those schools going and in running those schools in afghanistan how difficult was it at that time to get the taliban to agree to girls being educated well we were lucky enough to be working with dr mohammed karoti who was brought up in helmand province and he was called to speak to the taliban and this gave us a very interesting um understanding and for instance when he sat down and spoke to them he said to the taliban if your wife is ill would you have a male doctor or a female doctor in your house and of course the answer is crystal clear that they would only allow a female doctor in their house and it was by those kind of conversations that um i believe mohammed brought the taliban round in helmand province and and also gave us a greater understanding of the culture of the area we were working in obviously the afghan appeal fund is not running at the moment for various reasons but now charities cannot be run or have any involvement from women in afghanistan how does that make you feel about the current situation well it it is absolutely tragic and i thought shukriya um put it so movingly what a terrible what a terrible thing has happened and i'm afraid i do blame the, the united states and britain for pulling out so dramatically um but we work with a doctor in helmand province and 
he is absolutely certain that it will come right uh, because uh, we've had to work with the Taliban for many years in Helmand and he has he had he has met with the Taliban we have Taliban children in our school and we have had we decided the right course of action was obviously to work in a, in a way uh, of segregating boys and girls in a way that they asked and it's and it proved successful what's happened to those schools that school is still thriving i th the the as far as my last, just before Christmas, we heard that the, the girls, the younger girls are still going and they're being taught by older girls. I can't actually say what's happening this month um, in Helmand, but Mohammed has plans to build a very small school for senior girls, but he can't um, speak to the education department in Helmand. Um, until he actually goes out and sits with them face to face. Uh, so as far as I know, there, there are still younger girls going to school every day. Shukriya Baraksai, is that, is that your understanding as well? Um, younger uh, girls uh, from uh, till age of nine, yes, they are allowed to go to school. But we should consider about not only Afghanistan has a girls till age of nine. What about those secondary school students? What about the university students? What about those girls, which is, they have the big dreams. And right now their dreams is just a nightmare they had. It's, um, it's, it's not only about the younger little kids, which is unfortunately the quality of education also has been changed. Right now, it's not anymore a modern education for them is available. It's exactly what is the religious study according to the new curriculum the Taliban brought up. So it's also great concern how in which student we are uh, having at the moment. It is very difficult to understand the situation of the country, beside uh, how long it will maintain. Even maybe tomorrow, day after, they will make come with a different type of announcement. Because if you see the, uh, from August uh, 15 uh, till we are in the January, August 15, 2021, uh, till January um, 2023, more than uh, 38 decrees um, comes just for women's to ban mm -hmm. women's rights over there. So it seems to me like every day they are taking more revenge from girls and women and nothing is so stable at the moment. And Shukriya, I quoted the UN Deputy Secretary General earlier, who having been to Afghanistan in the last few days, expressed her confidence that women can regain gain their rights to education and work. Do you share that optimism? Uh, not at all, I'm sorry to say. I'm a very realistic person. I'm not optimistic. I was a diplomat, not anymore. I have to say what is the truth. If, if I see the international messages uh, from the beginning, first six months, it was an inclusive government. 
and later on the that message uh, changed to uh, uh, respecting uh, women's rights and that was the demand of international community from Taliban and later on just the education for girls and nowadays is just letting female employees for non-governmental organizations so if you see the the size and demand of reputation how it decreased and how they compromising I think Taliban had enough time to prove they are letting girls go to school. The schools will segregate between girls and boys. The teacher were there. The demand was there. The demonstration was there. We will achieve back what we what we lost, but not from where where, where we was. It's it's a different. Now it's a completely different. Gaining back the trust of nation is not easy. You can build everything, but. It's, it's, it wouldn't be again the same as it was before, not only for 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 the uh, Afghans but for the internationals. It's it's difficult moment. I know UN is coming with the lots of optimism, but if you see even the UNAMA mandate was not been uh, implemented. So if the UN women UNAMA mandate, other UN agencies, they have difficulties for the implementation of just simple their mandate. It's like their homework how they can come with such optimism. Lady Richards, I mentioned earlier about women's rights being part of the legacy of the presence of British forces in Afghanistan. And we know your husband commanded the International Security Assistance Force there. How important is it to you that those rights are won back by women? And do you think the UK should be doing more? Well, it is, it's vital, but I, I think we've, we've got to give the Taliban time and we've got to negotiate carefully and think of um, in the long term because Shukriya paints a very bleak picture. Um, my Dr. Mohammed Karoti in Hellman feels, feels it's quite so bleak, but I think you've, you've got to find ways to negotiate and maybe incentives. I mean, there, there's, huge funds tied up in America. Um, and I would think with careful, patient negotiation, I'm, I can only pray that things will slowly uh, get better. And as the, the wife of former Chief of Defence Staff, um, you spoke earlier about your disappointment in the way the US and the UK have behaved over Afghanistan. How do you see it with the benefit of hindsight now? Well, I, I, I feel more angry about it. I mean, the, the picture that Shakria paints and those scenes in the airport with people hanging from an aeroplane, um, it was caused by the West. And I think they've got a duty to do more to, to, make, to put things right. Shakria Barracks, what could the West do? I think West could do a lot. They can pressurize and they can use their authorities on neighboring countries, on the countries where Taliban having their political office in Qatar and Pakistan. They also can use their leverage on the United Nations Security Council, Human Rights Council and United Nations body to announce for an immediate interim 
solution, political solution, or interim government inside of Afghanistan. This is what remind me the 2001 efforts, which is United Nations, uh, US, and UK. They put lots of efforts in Afghanistan, and I think this is back. We are on the same page and same time, um, but but of course after two decades of experience, this is what should be. Otherwise, believing the atrocity of the Taliban and letting them their brutality to be more and letting them uh, or giving them more chance funds uh, it may not be the solution as we saw and experienced in the last one and a half year and Shukri, do you think you'll ever be able to live safely in Afghanistan um, to be honest I don't know what is the safety means to everyone if, if safety means living without um, a basic rights if safety means um, uh, being in a big prison if safety means um, don't having any uh, authority or rights as a U.S. citizen, uh, even you don't know the structure of your government, I would rather than that safety, I, I would like to live in a place where freedom is matter, the rights is matter, the justice is matter, the government will exist what is the people want. Lady Richards and Shukriya Baraksai speaking to me earlier. Well, the all-party parliamentary group for Afghan women and girls was launched in the UK at the end of November. Colonel Rosie Stone is part of the secretariat for the group. She spent time in Helmand province with the UK military between 2010 and 2013. She told me about what she now does for the group. Defence and part of a reserve policy role but I'm also part of the secretariat for the recently launched all-party parliamentary group for Afghan women and girls. Colonel Stone, really good to speak to you. Can you just tell me what the purpose of this parliamentary group is exactly? So the all-party parliamentary group uh, is there to represent um, Afghan women and girls. It works alongside other parliamentary groups that have been pulled together that focus on women, peace and security and uh, the plight of Hazaras. But our focus specifically is on women and girls. Uh, we are advocating for um, safe asylum routes, for representation at senior women leadership level and, uh, and, and uh, the application of humanitarian aid and assistance within Afghanistan itself. Just how much work is there to do? Well, it's important to see that there has been quite a bit of debate recently in Parliament and the focus is being maintained on uh, women and girls. There is a lot of work still to do uh, since the Taliban took control in August 2021 and NATO and the American forces pulled out, effectively pulled out, the situation has significantly deteriorated. And Rosie, just explain what you do on a day-to-day -day basis as part of this parliamentary group that you work on. It's early days for the uh, for the parliamentary group. Um, there are four key themes that the uh, uh, officers are working on. And uh, top of the list at the moment clearly is humanitarian aid in country but uh, also looking at asylum routes out of Afghanistan through those third countries like Pakistan, where it can be equally as dangerous and there are long delays. Uh, part of it is focusing on uh, resettlement uh, here in the UK, but, but elsewhere and, and working with the, the Home Office on that side of things. So there is plenty to do and, and um, the officers are uh, very much dedicated to making sure that um, with the understandable uh, focus on, on Ukraine and the situation in Ukraine at the moment, that Afghan women and girls and, and their current plight and, and that deterioration in their situation is not forgotten.
And what kind of cases he come across? So I got involved in uh, identifying and helping to evacuate people. And some of them are still trapped effectively in Pakistan, but I'm still in contact with a wide network of people who are based in third countries, some within Afghanistan and some here within the UK. And they're all saying the same thing. The situation for everybody, life is hard for everybody. Currently, it's minus 25 in some places within Afghanistan. Environmentally, it's tough. There is health and food insecurity. Uh, in Kabul itself, they're getting one hour of electricity in every 24 to 25 hours, so over 25, uh, over a day, uh, they're only getting access to electricity for one hour. Um, even basic human rights have been removed, and I think the the plight of women and girls has been very much highlighted uh, and is probably the worst globally at the moment in terms of access to education and and now most recently enabling um, the access to humanitarian aid right down to the ground. I understand that in identifying people that need the help you've been able to identify people that, that you've actually taught is that right at the British Defence Academy Shrivenham? We had uh, a number of international students attended our course and over the period of those two years we had several students from Afghanistan who were um, sponsored to attend uh, and their whole reason was to, to learn about human security and the wider impact of um, good governance and, uh, and the, the concept of human security to be applied through all levels of um, defence and political. When they went back to the country there was a hope that things were improving. And when um, August 2021, the Taliban took control, uh, I was able to identify those students that had been on the course and, uh, and got involved in an element of um, making sure they got to safety. You say getting involved. I understand you've even helped fund their flights in some cases. Uh, it wasn't flights. Uh, the, the difficulty around getting people out, but without going into detail, there was an element of for some, uh, just making sure that they got whatever means possible. And, and that's what I did. And you talk, uh, Colonel Stone, about uh, this point, the turning point in 2021 when the Taliban took over. Ahead of that, uh, during that 20-year deployment to Afghanistan, how did things change for women in Afghanistan? Well, the original reason for going into Afghanistan was not specifically for, for women, peace and security. Um, and I, I won't get into the details of, of how and why we ended there. The interesting thing was that after 20 years, you only realise the significant impact of that period had when everything was was started to be removed. So despite the fact there was this discussion around the Taliban had changed, that they would enable this, that and the other, they wouldn't put things back to where they had been. What I'm hearing is not only have they been put back to where they were, uh, back in the darker days, but it's it's actually getting worse. And as somebody who has served in Afghanistan herself, how a greater responsibility did you feel at the time and do you feel now for those women? I was very impressed with the women I met on the ground. Uh, they were uh, trying to get engaged in their, their own destiny. There, there was some leadership coming through uh, at the governance levels and from where I was in, in Helmand province talking to many of the women on the ground they 
they didn't want NATO to be there specifically. They didn't want the Taliban. They actually just wanted to be left um, within their own communities to get on and thrive in their own um, provincial environments. That was the impression I got. Very strong women that I spoke to. And during that time, I presume they got that glimpse of hope. Things started to to evolve for them. Uh, we now hear that only recently a UN delegation has come back from Af- Afghanistan. They've been talking to the Taliban. They're saying that they actually are optimistic about women regaining the, lo- the rights that they've lost. Um, what do you think the British government should be doing? I wouldn't talk from a, a British government perspective. Um, that's that's not my area specifically. What I would say is that certainly from an International Rescue Committee perspective, they're on their emergency watch list. Afghanistan is now third behind Ethiopia and Somalia in their top 10 to watch for um, de- degrading into serious um, uh, humanitarian crisis. Uh, the situation on the ground is incredibly serious. and. Uh, there are certainly areas that need to be addressed urgently and one of those is specifically access to humanitarian aid and assistance. Um, Again, people that I've been speaking to have been talking about the negative impact that sanctions have been having, not necessarily in the Taliban, but just in the the normal day-to-day living. A lot of people, not just women, because women are are not allowed to to work in um, majority cases across Afghanistan, but uh, generally in social life, people are are being told not to come into work because they can't be paid. That um, in some areas, for example, um, I've just heard that Herat, uh, the UN offices have said for the women the moment not to come into work. Um, I think the most sad comment recently from one of my um, membership networks said that the country is literally dying um, that there is a sense that there is no hope. Um, and that's 41 million people um, that uh, that she described as being held to hostage uh, by the Taliban, and they are still pulling the strings of the international community and th- that they desperately need help. And it's not just within Afghanistan as well, because um, what you've got effectively from August 21 and th- the back end of that year through to now is you've got a brain drain, you've got that intellectual knowledge draining out of the country, first of all, from people who have left or are leaving, second of all, from this lack of um, access to education, both at primary, um, sorry, at secondary and at university level, um, and also this loss of cultural heritage and that understanding of um, that, that grounds people in their societies. All of this is being eroded day by day, and, and people are just now at survival level. Just talk me through, uh, Rosie, what you know about the people who are still in Afghanistan, because you're still in contact with them there, aren't you? We got, um, and and the, the, the defence, the military should be justly proud of, of the numbers that they did manage to get out, but many, many were left behind. And I know for a fact that those that were serving in the military, particularly women in the police, women activists, judges, a lot of them got left behind. They continue to live in hiding and having to move regularly, no access to bank bank accounts. They are living hand to mouth. And my concern is that if we don't get those individuals out soon, they will they will be found and they will be killed. It's as simple as that. Would you like to go back to Afghanistan? I spoke to um, a fantastic woman I've been working with recently who will and intends to go back. And 
I said that my wish for her is to be able to go back with my daughter and do a visit to Kabul and and some of the beautiful provinces that exist there and be able to to see it and experience it myself without being in uniform and without um, having to, to worry about the implications and not being under the rule of the Taliban, frankly. Colonel Rosie Stone, I hope that wish comes true. Thank you very much for your time. This is Zidrep.